This is the OTP 4D presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Healthcare coverage from Farm Bureau Health Plans is like an extra set of pads when you need them the most. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. I'm joined by the hosts of Titans Countdown, Rhett Bryan and Amy Wells. Welcome, lady and gentlemen. Go ahead, lady. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a last six days of the last week to get to this OTP. It's been something else. All right. OTP 4D begins in pregame with what happened yesterday for us in pregame. We show up and the word is out throughout our area that Amani Hooker's not going to play safety. That's not good. No, Ruh-roh. it's real bad. <laughs> he had left practice on Friday. And sometimes a guy leaves practice and you're like, eh, you know, I mean, maybe he needs a tape job or Maybe he's just turned up an ankle or he doesn't feel well. or I mean, anything can happen. In most cases, that's not the end of the world. In most cases, Amy, it's not 2021 for the Titans. And so Imani Hooker, who made one of the plays of the game Monday night against Buffalo, getting Josh Allen out of bounds on third down, short of the stick, the play that allowed Big Jeff to make the fourth down stop, Amani Hooker, a guy the Titans were so excited to have back to pair with Kevin Byard. Now he's not going to play against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Yeah. A little deflating. It was it was one of those things where we all kind of were sitting and talking in pregame and we went, uh-oh, this probably isn't good. You've got to trust those depth guys. You know, Dane Crookshank and those guys who are going to step up. And we know that they can perform. We see them in practice all the time. We've seen them in games. But you're right. We were so excited to get him back and have him be with Kevin Byard and little scary to start yeah. out the game. You and Coach Mack and I and a lot of us were looking out the window as they're taking Bud Dupree and Chris Jackson well, through their steps. So let me stop you there. So we're looking out the window and they work out guys on the field for those who don't know. They work out guys on the field, noon game, 9.45-ish. Because inactives come out at 10.30 an hour and a half Inactives have, be, have to be out 90 minutes before kick. And so they ended up working out Bud Dupree for a long time. Inactives didn't get turned in until like 10.29. Right. But Dupree played, and that obviously went well. But we're looking out the window, and I said to Rhett, I go, who is that down there? Who is that guy that's working out with the training staff? Well, I don't know Chris Jackson. I've never met Chris Jackson because he came in in the pandemic year. And so Rhett says, I'm almost sure that's Chris Jackson. He left the Buffalo game twice with injury. Right. He had practiced. They had hoped he was going to be able to go. He's going to start at corner. Now, all of a sudden, they're working him out, and he's clearly got a hitch in his get-along. I mean, it was obvious to us, Rhett, He's not going to play. He's and, out. And that takes us to my mood in the booth. I'm like, it's a little solemn. I'm like, whoa. I mean, we're talking about, we're not trotting out household names here in the secondary. And, you know, even the most hardcore Titans fan is not going to know who Greg Maben is. All right. So all of a sudden, the inactives come out. Amani Hooker is indeed out. Chris Jackson is out. Charles Davis from CBS is obviously our friend and a guy that does Titans preseason games. And he, he hollered at me 11-ish and he said, what are you guys going to do? And I went to the CBS booth and Ian Eagle was there. 
and we were kind of going through the different rotations of things that they that they could have to do in the secondary and Ian Eagle offers up and goes, well, at least you're not playing a passing team today. (laughs) (laughs) And and it's like, Oh no. Unbelievable. I I mean, I think it's safe to say we start the game in the booth, not terribly optimistic on what we know is the depth. Okay. Greg Maben, who is in his third tour of duty with the team, he was on the team back last September He left the team after leaving off the practice squad, ends up in Jacksonville where he started four games down the stretch. He comes back to the team in the offseason. He's injured, put on injured reserve on August 5th, waved off injured reserve. Then he is signed off Arizona's practice squad. So he knows some things. He has five NFL starts, and he's played in 35 games. But he's only been here practicing since Wednesday. He's starting at right corner against... Patrick Mahomes. He plays all 72 snaps. 100% yep. of the snaps. In the ball game. So, Crookshank, who had had up and down moments at safety, ends up filling in for Hooker. He plays all 72 snaps. He plays the best he's played. Yep. Byard plays great again. To me, Byard is one of the stories of the season because Byard is back to being Byard, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Well, Amy, you brought it up here on the OTP4D a few weeks ago in one of the things that you've noticed, and that is it's good when Kevin Byard is starting to get close and around the football and making plays again. It's a good thing. Well, and I think he's able to do that because there are some other holes on the defense that are being filled. For a long time, Kevin Byard was another coach out there. He was making sure that some of the younger guys could get where they were going Now he can just ball out, and that's what he's doing. Well, Elijah Molden played a nice game. He had eight tackles. Mabin obviously held up just fine. We mentioned Byard played well. Jackrabbit Jenkins had a good game. When they went to some packages, Matthias Farley came in, hadn't played defense all year, and stepped in and played really, really well for the Titans. Some good things overall, but when we got there and we're getting ready for our pregame, we're not feeling terribly optimistic <laughs> on what we know because our anticipation on Friday was that Chris Jackson and Amani Hooker were going to play. This is why they don't tell us things, Mike Keith. We panic. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> I panic. I mean, I don't think they 100% knew no. everything. I mean, I'm sure no. that they obviously knew before we did, but, you know, this was not this was not the plan Friday morning. Nope. The plan Friday morning was to have Hooker and Jackson available and they had to come up with a secondary plan, and it worked just fine. That's the OTP 4D pregame. Let's go to first down. Rhett Bryan, your play that turned the game. It's 350 left in the first quarter. And in subsequent plays, uh, we see the King Cat for a touchdown from Henry to Michael Pruitt. And then there's been a forced fumble, but it's been recovered by Kansas City in their next possession. They have to punt. And there is a 46-yard toss from Ryan Tannehill to A.J. Brown that is challenged by Mike Vrabel. It ends up – it is a catch. It's a huge shot play. And the next thing you know, they're up 14-0 a few plays later. I think that is a huge moment in this ballgame. See, that was my second choice, Rhett, so I'm glad you said that one. My first one was that King Cat. When that happens that early in a game, it's such a tone setter. 
And it's such a momentum shift in favor of the Tennessee Titans. Not only is it just an awesome play that I think we all as fans really enjoy seeing, but it gets that offense fired up. Those guys go crazy on the sidelines when they're able to see something like that work. And from that point on, the Tennessee Titans had their foot on the gas and they weren't letting up. And it was awesome. I think that's 100% right. I said that on a radio show this morning in Tri-Cities that that play was more than seven points. It was momentum. It was energy. It was excitement. It was fun. It really just got the crowd going. It, it was a tone setter. Yep. So I think you're dead on. Mine came at 7.05 remaining in the first quarter, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs a team that convert 60% of their third downs, have their first third down against the Titans, third and seven from midfield. And what happens? Patrick Mahomes is sacked by Bud Dupree, fumbles the football, Mike Rimmers recovers, but third down, they get him off the field. That's one. Two, Bud Dupree has a sack. That set a tone for the whole day, and I think it gave Bud Dupree and the defensive line energy. And third, the Titans get the football back and go right down the field to make it 14 to nothing. I think getting them off the field in that moment was psychologically so huge for the Tennessee Titans. And the pressure they had all day long with a four-man rush was remarkable. Your stat that tells the story. I think that for me, it's the fact that every Titans possession in the first half of the ball game ended with a Titans score. Whether it was a touchdown, there were three of those. Whether it was a field goal, there were two of those. Either way, you are consistently scoring points. So let's talk about all the good things that happen (laughs) when you are doing something like that. A, you're in charge of the ball game because you've got possession of that football for a longer period of time and what can Patrick Mahomes not do if he doesn't have the football score points so that's really good the Titans are scoring points they are increasing the deficit for the Kansas City Chiefs giving them a deeper hole to dig out of and they're controlling the ball game they're controlling momentum everything about it is good so I think that 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 is the game. The Titans were in control the whole time. And that leads to the fact that Kansas City had the ball less than seven minutes in the first half. It's the Mm -hmm. best way to stop Patrick Mahomes is... Don't let him play. Don't let him play. That's exactly right. You can pick out many different wacky stats from this game because it was just so one-sided in this whole thing. But think about this for a, a minute, you guys. The Titans had more quarterback sacks, four, than the Kansas City Chiefs had points, three. (laughs) <laughs> Think about that for a second. And wow. if Harrison Butker... That's good. I love that. If Harrison Butker doesn't have that one that clinks off the post and goes in, right up, it's 27 right. nothing. But they had four quarterback sacks to their three points, a team that averaged 31 points a game. Do you realize that was the fewest points that a Patrick Mahomes quarterback team had ever put up between his college and his pro career? That's glorious. This is the first time for everything. It's remarkable. Yeah, and they they had as many turnovers as they did points. That's correct. Yes. This is all so good. It's It's all so good. Spoken by the Missouri girl, right? I'm so happy. (laughs) All right, so here's mine. I mentioned earlier that Dane Cruikshank and Greg Mabin played all 72 snaps. Here are some other numbers that will wow you. Matthias Farley, 44 snaps. 
Bobby Hart at left tackle, another guy who practiced for the first time with the Titans, played 42 snaps at left tackle. The Titans beat the defending two-time AFC champions with Bobby Hart at left tackle. Bobby Hart was a guy one week ago today that I was potentially preparing for for Buffalo, wondering if they would activate him from their practice squad. That's how I knew his name. I remembered him last year from Cincinnati. He had been a starter in Cincinnati. But we're getting ready for the Monday night game, and everybody's got their moves to turn in. Well, they don't activate Bobby Hart, so he doesn't play. Titans signed him the next day off the practice squad. Wednesday, he's in here for practice. Kendall Lamb turns an ankle, and here goes Bobby Hart in there to play 42 offensive snaps at left tackle for the Titans, 42 of 68. Harold Landry played only. 51 snaps. So Harold Landry actually got 21 snaps off yesterday, a guy who plays in his career over 90% of the Titans snaps. So they got to rest, theoretically. Harold Landry, who had another quarterback sack. If you'd have told me last week that the Titans were going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, if you told me on Monday, say, With a guy who started last week on Buffalo's practice squad and a guy who started last week on Arizona's practice squad and that Matthias Farley, a guy who had not gotten in the mix at safety at all, would play 44 snaps, would cause a fumble, would recover a fumble, and would have three tackles. Those guys were on the field to beat the Chiefs. To me, it says something about picking the right people. It says something about coaching them up. Granted, and it also says the whole thing about next man up is a real mindset in this camp. Yeah, I think it's a way of life in this camp. (laughs) (laughs) It's how the Titans have been functioning since training camp. But you can see that it's permeating everything. So the other part, too, that I think is really interesting is, do you know, speaking of offensive line, the Titans starting offensive line left to right is Taylor Lewan, Roger Saffold, Ben Jones, Nate Davis, and David Questenberry. Those five have not been available for every snap together for one game this year. I believe that. The Indianapolis game was the closest. A couple of those guys missed just a handful of snaps. But it's really amazing that they've put together what they have offensively, knowing that they have never had that group together for a whole game at any point this year. And yet they're five and two. And they're five and two. All right, third down. Your area that the Titans have to get fixed. Amy. It's exactly what you were just talking about. It's the offensive line. Mike, there was a point in the game yesterday I thought we were going to run out of people. As a sideline reporter, when Nate Davis walked into the tent, and before we knew that it was just some cramping, it wasn't a huge deal, before we knew that, I told Philip Noel, who's kind of my – my voice of God in my ear during games. We might be out of people here, Phil. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do. Kendall Lamb is out. Nate Davis is in the tent. Ben Jones uh, is hobbling. Ben Jones isn't feeling great. Roger Saffold isn't feeling great. He's already missed a couple snaps due to some injury stuff. Taylor Lewan is in street clothes. He's not playing at all. Right. Corey Levin's the only guy we've got left. Yeah, we talked about it on and the radio. And he's heading onto the field. Yeah, we t- talked about it on the radio yesterday. They they held Levin when Davis went out because he would have been the snapper. Right. Because they don't really – Raiden's, I think, is learning to snap. But they don't have a lot of guys that are – Daniel Munyer is working his way back and 
hopefully will be able to come back. He's doing the injured reserve practice window right now. Munyer was the primary backup at center in the preseason before they brought Levin back. Right. So, you know, that's a real tricky deal because you're you're saying to yourself, okay, what are we going to do and how much does it limit the offense if you had to go to the third center? Well, and that's you start kind of doing those numbers and rolling through things in your brain. Okay, we don't know how long Saffold's going to last. We don't really know what that injury is. We don't know what's happening here. Ben Jones is clearly a little bit hobbled, so one wrong hit and you're in a bad spot. All of a sudden, I start crunching those numbers real quick. I don't know what happens at that point. Like, I can't do it. Can you do it, Mike Keith? Rhett, can you go We were doing there? it in the You're booth. the wrong guy. Yeah. <laughs> we were doing it in the booth, and it was, yeah, it was tight at that point. Yeah, so that is something where, and it's nobody's fault. It's not. There's not anything you can do about it in the moment of the game, but man, we got to do everything possible <laughs> to get those guys as healthy as we can. And if you're allowed to carry 28 offensive linemen on game day, I say we think about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rhett. Your area, the Titans have to get fixed. Just because this one didn't have many flaws to it, I would just say clean up penalties. That's the only thing I've got. Because outside of the O-line, they played really good all three phases, all day long, four quarters. I wish Mason Kinsey had done something with that that first return. But, you know, Brett Kern did great in that phase of things. The defense did well with the front four or the, the front uh, line that they have. And I would just say penalties, clean those things up a little bit. Got to run the ball better. They did not have some sequences of running the ball where they want to be. If you take out the kneel down from Logan Woodside at the end, 34 rushes for 104 yards. Granted, you know some of it's coming in the second half, but they still – Derrick Henry's longest run was 11 yards. I think you're going to see more of this. I I don't think you're going to see eight-man boxes. I think you're going to see nine-man boxes because I think teams know if we don't stop Derrick Henry, we're beat. Now, what did the Titans do yesterday? They threw it well. They threw it really, really well. The offense rolling, though, I mean, you think about it. Take out the end of the first half against Buffalo and take out the kneel down at the end of the Buffalo game. You put together the six possessions there that were the non-run-out-the-clock possessions, and then the first five possessions of the Indy game, you scored on all of them. After the slow start against Buffalo, I mean, what you put together was fantastic. The run game has to continue to be a part of it. So... Is that going to be a little different look? Is that going to be changing a personnel scheme? Is that going to be changing a blocking scheme? The Titans have done a great job figuring out how to run against an eight-man box. They're going to have to figure out some answers to either be able to run people out of the nine-man box with some things that they do in the past game, or maybe they figure out a play or two that just balances out to where they can run against that box. But they've still got to be able to run it. Not surprised the Chiefs did what they did. Not surprised the Titans threw it the way they did. But this team has to keep running the ball. You're getting ready to face an AFC South division opponent in Indianapolis who has a two-game streak they're running on and wins and averaging about 150 yards per game as, as a team rushing in these last two games. Well, they can run it. And they absolutely can. They gave up some rushing yards to Elijah Mitchell early yep. in, in the game, and then they shut that down. I mean, listen, they can run and they can hit. 
And with Sendejo now playing safety for them, he's much more of a run stopper than a pass cover guy than Blackman was who was lost with the injury. They're going to have to throw it effectively, and and they did it. I mean, 21 of 27 for Tannehill for 270. Henry, one of one for five, two touchdown passes. The team passer rating was 116, even with a red zone interception. Good stuff there, but want to be able to keep doing what it is you do and find a way to do it even if people are going to stop it. All right, the one thing that you noticed, this is fourth down, the one thing you noticed and want to share, Rhett Bryan. You nearly took that in down two. And because Bobby Hart with 42 snaps was – I just looked at that and was like, wow, that really happened. But the one thing that I noticed as I'm looking through the snaps and participation sheet on the the game book that we all get, Dylan Radens – Got 22 snaps, valuable snaps between left and right guard against a formidable team. And I really feel good that he had those opportunities because with what we've just discussed with a healthy offensive line, I'm afraid we're going to have to see him in spots down the road, whether it's Roger Saffold or whoever. I'm just glad that he got that under his belt because we've been hearing that he's getting closer and closer, and he finally was up, active, and did some things, and positively yesterday. I don't know what it was like in 99, 2000, 2001, those years at Nissan Stadium, what was then Adelphia Coliseum? Adelphia Coliseum. Yeah. I wasn't here then. But I've got to imagine that the last two games at Nissan Stadium are close to, if not the same as the energy level, the excitement level, the passion from the fans, that it has been absolutely incredible being on the sidelines for these last two games. Blow your mind. I think very similar in terms of that energy. Red, I think the difference is more opposing fans than were there in 99 and 2000. Because then Titans were new and the fan base had really, really, really bought in because – we have a when NFL team, you know, Mike and I didn't have that growing up. Yeah, I think that's the only difference is that opposing teams' fans were more peppered throughout the stadium. The level of noise, the level of excitement is very comparable back to then. I don't hate the opposing fans. I like that they're there. I think. I mean, I don't want them to be in the whole stadium, of course. I mean, that's ridiculous. But I like having, like, a game, and they're cheering for their side, and I love to watch them walk away angry. Yeah, you know, like, this is not the Olympics. I, 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 I disagree. it's really fun to I watch them leave I disagree 100%. Uh, I like the atmosphere. I like the excitement. I yeah. like everybody's into it. I love it. I, it doesn't bother me. I, I want don't. home field advantage. Yeah, that's I mean, what I want. Here's the one thing I noticed and want to share is what Mike Vrabel said about it on the post game he he wants titans fans to get them out of there and he said you know the people who are showing up going at them going at the opposing not in a negative way but in terms of bringing the energy bringing the energy bringing the noise he said that's who we're playing for yeah he dropped in a very strong comment yeah i I just i want to play hard for those people and our, our players want to play hard and win games for those fans that come out and and try to drown out the buffalo bills fans that came and the Kansas City Chiefs fans that came, you know, it's too many for me. It's too many for my liking. I think we're too good of a football team and an organization to have that many opposing fans in our stadium. But we're going to keep chipping away at it. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm thankful for the ones that come out that are loud and, and do their best and, and challenge and try to drown out that, that other team's fans. So that, that's who we're playing for. 
and that's who we're playing hard for, and, 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 and we notice it. I get it, and I thought the Buffalo fans were fine, and I thought the Kansas City fans were fine. I have nothing against them personally, but uh, I'm with Vrabel. I, I think the Titans fans have got to turn it up to a different level and keep them out of there. It's been cool these last two games. It, the energy and emotion what, has been, It's been yes. wild. Very cool. All right. That is the OTP4D presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Turn to the folks who've been in the game since 1947. Farm Bureau Health Plans offers the great health care coverage you need with a price tag you can afford. For Rhett Bryant and for Amy Wells, I'm Mike Keith. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the OTP4D. Welcome to the big show where the legends go. Everybody knows it's our house. Titan blood running through our veins.